Welcome to Bandcamp. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Dan, and this is the podcast where we read banned books to try to figure out why in the heck they were banned in the first place. This season, we're reading The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. There will absolutely be spoilers ahead because we're literally reading the book out loud. So, to avoid spoilers, you might want to head over to Season 3, Episode 1 of Bandcamp and catch up. Previously on Bandcamp. In the last chapter, the boys are hailed as heroes in the newspapers, but there's a talk of legal consequences. Pony Boy has a surprising chat with a Soch, and that hints that the rift between the gangs might actually be mendable. What's next? You're about to hear it. And with that being said, let's begin Chapter 8 of The Outsiders. The nurses wouldn't let us see Johnny. He was in critical condition, no visitors, but Two-Bit wouldn't take no for an answer. That was his buddy in there, and he aimed to see him. We both begged and pleaded, but we were getting nowhere until the doctor found out what was going on. Let them go in, he said to the nurse. He's been asking for them. It can't hurt now. Can't hurt now, because he is on the way out. Oh, is that what he means? I think. I hope not. <laughs> Johnny's like, it's my dying wish to see my friends. And can I have a cigarette? That's how he goes. They're going to put him in a bubble and just pump in a bunch of smoke. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's like, look, I get the smoke. It's beautiful. <laughs> Am I in heaven? <laughs> All right. Two bit didn't notice the expression in his voice. It's true. I thought numbly, he's dying. We went in practically on tiptoe because the quietness of the hospital scared us. Johnny was lying still with his eyes closed. But when Two-Bit said, hey, Johnny kid, he opened them and looked at us, trying to grin. Hey, y'all. See, I think that's good that they let the friends in. It might give them a reason to live. You know, like, mm -hmm. oh, that's right. I have really good friends and I don't want to go. Yeah. The nurse who was pulling the shades open smiled and said, so he can talk after all. Two-Bit looked around. They treating you okay, kid? Don't, Johnny gasped. Don't let me put enough grease. What? What? <laughs> His dying words. Don't, ellipsis, Johnny gasped. Don't let me put enough grease on my hair. His oh, hand boy. comes out like a claw <laughs> towards the tub of brill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, that's really, really silly. Okay. Don't talk, Two-Bit said, pulling up a chair. Just listen. We'll bring you some hair grease next time. <laughs> We're having the big rumble tonight. Johnny's huge black eyes widened a little, but he didn't say anything. It's too bad you and Dally can't be in it. It's the first big rumble we've had, not counting the time we whipped Shepard's outfit. He came by, Johnny said. Tim Shepard? Johnny nodded. Came to see Dally. Tim and Dallas had always been buddies. Did you know you got your name in the paper for being a hero? Johnny almost grinned as he nodded. Tough enough, he managed, and by the way his eyes were glowing, I figured Southern gentlemen had nothing on Johnny Cade. I could see that even a few words were tiring him out. He was as pale as the pillow and looked awful. Two-bit pretended not to notice. You want anything besides hair grease, kid? Johnny barely nodded. The book, he looked at me, can you get another one? Two-Bit looked at me, too. I hadn't told him about Gone with the Wind. 
He wants a copy of Gone with the Wind so I can read it to him, I explained. You want to run down to the drugstore and get one? Do they just have that at every drugstore? I don't <laughs> like, know. Like, what year did that come out? I thought it was like 20 years old at this point. Oh, man, Gone with the Wind. That's like a trip back in time, man. I think the book was like burst into the cosmos back in the 1930s or something, and then Hollywood got its hands on it and spun it into this epic flick in 1939. So whether it's a book or a movie, it's all part of the universal groove, man. Okay, Two-Bit said cheerfully. Don't y'all run off. I sat down in Two-Bit's chair and tried to think of something to say. Dally's gonna be okay, I said finally. And Derry and me, we're okay now. I knew Johnny understood what I meant. He had always been close buddies, and those lonely days in the church strengthened our friendship. He tried to smile again, and then suddenly went white and closed his eyes tight. Johnny, I said alarmed, are you okay? He nodded, keeping his eyes closed. Yeah, it just hurts sometimes. It usually don't. I can't feel anything below the middle of my back. He lay breathing heavily for a moment. I'm pretty bad off, ain't I, pony? You'll be okay, I said with fake cheerfulness. You gotta be. We couldn't get along without you. The truth of that last statement hit me. We couldn't get along without him. We needed Johnny as much as he needed the gang, and for the same reason. I won't be able to walk again, Johnny started, then faltered, not even on crutches, busted my back. You'll be okay, I repeated firmly. Don't start crying, I commanded myself. Don't start crying, you'll scare Johnny. You want to know something, pony boy? I'm scared stiff. I used to talk about killing myself. He drew a quavering breath. I don't want to die now. It ain't long enough. Sixteen years ain't long enough. I wouldn't mind it so much if there wasn't so much stuff I ain't done yet and so many things I ain't seen. It's not fair. You know what? That time we were in Windricksville was the only time I've been away from our neighborhood. You ain't gonna die, I said, trying to hold my voice down. And don't get juiced up because the doc won't let us see you no more if you do. Sixteen years on the streets, and you can learn a lot, but all the wrong things, not the things you want to learn. Sixteen years on the streets, and you see a lot, but all the wrong sights, not the sights you want to see. Johnny closed his eyes and rested quietly for a minute. Years of living on the east side teaches you how to shut off your emotions. If you don't, you would explode. You learn to cool it. I think everyone has to learn to cool it. Yeah. A nurse appeared in the doorway. Johnny, she said quietly, your mother's here to see you. Johnny opened his eyes. At first they were wide with surprise, then they darkened. I don't want to see her, he said firmly. She's your mother. I said I don't want to see her, his voice was rising. She's probably come to tell me about all the trouble I'm causing her, and about how glad her and the old man will be when I'm dead. Well, tell her to leave me alone, for once, his voice broke. For once, just to leave me alone. He was struggling to sit up, but he suddenly gasped, went wider than a pillowcase, and passed out cold. The nurse hurried me out the door. I was afraid of something like this if he saw anyone. I was afraid something like this would happen if I ran into Two-Bit, who was coming in. You can't see him now, the nurse said, so Two-Bit handed her the book. Make sure he can see it when he comes around. He doesn't have to pay me back for it. For I stole it at the local drugstore. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> she took it and closed the door behind her. Two-Bit stood and looked at the door a long time. I wish it was any of us except Johnny, he said, and his voice was serious for once. We could get along without anyone but Johnny. Turning abruptly, he said, let's go see Dallas. As we walked out into the hall, we saw Johnny's mother. 
I knew her. She was a little woman with straight black hair and big black eyes like Johnny's. But that was as far as the resemblance went. Johnny Cake's eyes were fearful and sensitive. Hers were cheap and hard. As we passed her, she was saying, But I have a right to see him. He's my son. After all the trouble his father and I have gone to raise him, this is our reward. He'd rather see those no-count hoodlums than his own folks. She saw us and gave us such a look of hatred that I almost backed up. It was your fault. Always running around in the middle of the night, getting jailed and heaven knows what else. I thought she was going to cuss us out. I really did. That's actually a surprise. I assumed that we were going to find out that Johnny's parents were actually kind of cool and they just didn't understand him. And I know. I thought it was going to go that way, too. Or like she's seen the light, you know? Yeah. Because it's such a life or death situation. But man, his life was really full of crap. Yeah. So sad. Two bits eyes got narrow and I was afraid he was going to start something. I don't like to hear women get sworn at, even if they deserve it. No wonder he hates your guts, Two-Bit snapped. He was going to tell her off real good, but I shoved him along. I felt sick. No wonder Johnny didn't want to see her. No wonder he stayed overnight at Two-Bit's or at our house and slept on the vacant lot in good weather. I remembered my mother, beautiful and golden like soda and wise and firm like dairy. Oh, Lordy, there was a catch in Two-Bit's voice and he was closer to tears than I'd ever seen him. He has to live with that. We hurried to the elevator to get to the next floor. I hoped the nurse would have enough sense not to let Johnny's mother see him. It would kill him. Dally was arguing with one of the nurses when we came in. He grinned at us. Man, am I glad to see you. These hospital people won't let me smoke, and I want out. We sat down, grinning at each other. Dally was his usual mean, ornery self. He was okay. Shepard came by to see me a while ago. That's what Johnny said. What'd he want? Said he saw my picture in the paper and couldn't believe it didn't have, quote, wanted dead or alive under it. He mostly came to rub it in about the rumble. Man, I hate not being in that. Only last week, Tim Shepard had cracked three of Dally's ribs. But Dally and Tim Shepard had always been buddies, no matter how they fought. They were two of a kind and they knew it. Dally was grinning at me. Kid, you scared the devil out of me the other day. I thought I'd killed you. Me? I said puzzled. Why? When you jumped out of the church. I meant to hit you just hard enough to knock you down and put out the fire. But when you dropped like a ton of lead, I thought I'd aim too high and broke your neck. He thought for a minute. I'm glad I didn't, though. I'll bet, I said with a grin. I never liked Dally, but then, for the first time, I felt like he was my buddy. And all because he was glad he hadn't killed me. <laughs> Do you think she's trying to be funny? Sadly, I don't. Like, I think this is just, like, that was the best part of Pony Boy's day. Oh, yeah, me and Dally are tight because he was happy he didn't kill me and break my neck. Yeah, good day so far. (laughs) Dally looked out the window. Uh, He sounded very casual. How's the kid? We just left him, Two-Bit said, and I could tell that he was debating whether to tell Dally the truth or not. I don't know about stuff like this. But, well, he seemed pretty bad to me. He passed out cold before we left him. Dally's jawline went white as he swore between clenched teeth. Two-Bit, you still got that fancy black-handled switch? Yeah, give it here. Two-Bit reached into his pocket for his prized possession. It was his jet-handled switchblade. Ten inches long. Jeez, that's a big knife. Ten inches. Jeez, that is big. (laughs) 
not good. Dally's going to go on a killing <laughs> spree with his mini <laughs> machete killing nurses. You better let me see him. Better let me smoke. <laughs> it was jet-handled switchblade 10 inches long that would flash open at a mere breath. It was the reward of two hours of walking aimlessly around a hardware store to divert suspicion. He kept it razor sharp. As far as I knew, he had never pulled it on anyone. He used his plain pocket knife when he needed a blade. But it was his showpiece, his pride and joy. Every time he ran into a new hood, he pulled it out and showed off with it. Dally knew how much that knife meant to Tubit, and if he needed a blade bad enough to ask for it, well, he needed a blade. That was all there was to it. Tubit handed it over to Dally without a moment's hesitation. We gotta win that fight tonight, Dally said. His voice was hard. We gotta get even with the Soches for Johnny. He put the switch under his pillow and lay back, staring at the ceiling. We left. We knew better than to talk to Dally when his eyes were blazing and he was in a mood like that. We decided to catch a bus home. I just didn't feel much like walking or trying to hitch a ride. Two-Bit left me sitting on the bench at the bus stop while he went to a gas station to buy some cigarettes. Wait, buy? Come on. <laughs> buy, in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of sick to my stomach and sort of groggy. I was nearly asleep when I felt someone's hand on my forehead. I almost jumped out of my skin. Two-Bit was looking down at me worriedly. You feel okay? You're awful hot. I'm all right, I said. And when he looked at me, as if he didn't believe me, I got a little panicky. Don't tell Derry, okay? Come on, Two-Bit, be a buddy. I'll be well by tonight. I'll take a bunch of aspirins. Boy, okay, there's something going on with Pony Boy. Like, it, he's been taking a lot of aspirins. Like, didn't last chapter he took Pony, a handful of aspirins? He had a headache, too. Remember, he was like walking. And the the weird nightmares came back. We don't even, what is that? What's oh. going on? Hi, I'm Dan. And my name's Jennifer, and we're from Bandcamp, a comedy podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. Season six of Bandcamp premieres on June 4th, and we picked a fantastic book for this season. And the name of the book is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe by Benjamin Allier Science. It's our first contemporary book. It explores friendship and sexuality through the experiences of two Mexican-American teenagers living in El Paso in the 80s. If you are new to Bandcamp, each season we read an entire book. In each episode of that season, Jennifer reads the chapter out loud and we comment and try to have fun as we go. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday. So please join us as we try and figure out why Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe could have ever been banned. But I bet we're not going to find anything because banning books is stupid. Season 6 premieres on June 4th. See you there. Hmm. I don't know. I hope it's nothing too bad. All right, Tupit said reluctantly, but Daryl will kill me if you're really sick and go ahead and fight anyway. I'm okay, I said, getting a little angry, and if you keep your mouth shut, Derry won't know a thing. You know something, Tupit said as we were riding home on the bus? You'd think you could get away with murder, living with your big brother and all. But Derry's stricter with you than your folks were, ain't he? Yeah, I said, but they'd raised two boys before me. Derry hasn't. You know, the only thing that keeps Derry from being a soch is us. I know, I said. I had known it for a long time. In spite of not having much money, the only reason Derry couldn't be a soch was us. The gang, me and Soda. 
Derry was too smart to be a greaser. I don't know how I knew. I just did. And I was kind of sorry. I was silent most of the way home. I was thinking about the rumble. I had a sick feeling in my stomach, and it wasn't from being ill. It was the same kind of helplessness I'd felt that night Derry yelled at me for going to sleep in the lot. So he's getting like a premonition or something. I read my thoughts. You've got the shinin. You mean shining. Shh. You want to get sued? I had the same deathly fear that something was going to happen that none of us could stop. As we got off the bus, I finally said it. Tonight, I don't like it one bit. Two-Bit pretended not to understand. I never knew you to play chicken in a rumble before, not even when you was a little kid. I knew he was trying to make me mad, but I took the bait anyway. I ain't chicken, Two-Bit Matthews, and you know it, I said angrily. Ain't I a Curtis, same as Soda and Dairy? Two-Bit couldn't deny this, so I went on. I mean, I got an awful feeling something's gonna happen. Something is gonna happen. We're gonna stomp the Sosha's guts, that's what. Tubit knew what I meant, but doggedly pretended not to. He seemed to feel that if you said something was all right, it immediately was, no matter what. He's been that way all his life, and I don't expect he'll change. Soda Pop would have understood, and we would have tried to figure it out together. But Tubit ain't Soda. Well, then why doesn't he go talk to his brother? Stand in line, Jennifer. It's Rob Lowe. He's got women around the block waiting to just look at him. Come on. Cherry Valance was sitting in her Corvette by the vacant lot when we came by. Her long hair was pinned up, and in daylight she was even better looking. That Stingray was one tough car, a bright red one. It was cool. Hi, Pony Boy, she said. Hi, Tubit. Tubit stopped. Apparently, Cherry had shown up there before during the week Johnny and I had spent in Windricksville. What's up with the big times? She tightened the strings in her ski jacket. They play your way. No weapons. Fair deal. Your rules. Oh, I see. She's going to be the mole for them. Yeah. 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 You sure? She nodded. Randy told me. He knows for sure. Two-bit turned and started home. Thanks, Cherry. Pony boy, stay a minute, Cherry said. I stopped and went back to the car. Randy's not going to show up at the rumble. Yeah, I said, I know. He's not scared. He's just sick of fighting. Bob, she swallowed, then went on quietly. Bob was his best buddy since grade school. I thought of Soda and Steve. What if one of them saw the other killed? Would that make them stop fighting? No, I thought. Maybe it would make Soda stop, but not Steve. He'd go on hating and fighting. Maybe that was what Bob would have done if it had been Randy instead of him. How's Johnny? Not so good, I said. Will you go up to see him? She shook her head. No, I couldn't. Why not, I demanded. It was the least she could do. It was her boyfriend who had caused it all. And then I stopped. Her boyfriend. I couldn't, she said in a quiet, desperate voice. He killed Bob. Oh, maybe Bob asked for it. I know he did. But I could never look at the person who killed him. You only knew his bad side. He could be sweet sometimes, and friendly. But when he got drunk, it was that part of him that beat up Johnny. I knew it was Bob when you told me the story. He was so proud of his rings. Why do people sell liquor to boys? Why? I know there's a law against it, but kids get it anyway. I can't go see Johnny. I know I'm too young to be in love and all that, but Bob was something special. He wasn't... Yeah, right, until he gets drunk and then beats the crap out of you, right? Yeah. He had something that made people follow him, something that marked him different, maybe a little better than the crowd. Do you know what I mean? I did. Cherry saw the same things in Dallas. That was why she was afraid to see him. 
afraid of loving him. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> Here we go. I knew what she meant, all right. But she also meant she wouldn't go see Johnny because he had killed Bob. That's okay, I said sharply. It wasn't Johnny's fault Bob was a booze hound and Cherry went for boys who were bound for trouble. I wouldn't want you to see him. You're a traitor to your own kind and not loyal to us. Do you think your spying for us makes up for the fact that you're sitting there in a Corvette while my brother drops out of school to get a job? Don't you ever feel sorry for us? Don't you ever try to give us handouts and then feel high and mighty about it? He's kind of turning hard on Cherry there. Well, I'm glad in a way. Like he's standing up for himself and... I mean, I think he's right. I mean, they're, they're they're the ones that were getting beat up. It's all the social's fault. But she's also the reason, the probably the sole reason he's not in jail. She basically said, like, look, Bob was probably drunk. I knew he was drunk. This is how Bob is. She told the cops that, and they're backing off now. I just don't like to come down on, on Cherry too hard, because after all... She was real pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I started to turn and walk off, but something in Cherry's face made me stop. I was ashamed. I can't stand to see girls cry. She wasn't crying, but she was close to it. I wasn't trying to give you charity, pony boy. I only wanted to help. I liked you from the start, the way you talked. You're a nice kid, pony boy. Do you realize how scarce nice kids are nowadays? Wouldn't you try to help me if you could? I would. I'd rather help her and Randy both if I could. Hey, I said suddenly, can you see the sunset real good from the west side? She blinked, startled, then smiled. Real good. You can see it good from the east side too, I said quietly. Thanks, pony boy. She smiled through her tears. You dig okay. She had green eyes. I went on, walking home slowly. End of chapter 8. It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? Well, what do you think, Jen? Was there anything that you thought was banworthy? I mean, there there was a small mention of suicide. You know, Johnny was like, I always talk about killing myself, and now I don't want yeah. to. So, I mean, there was that. We're probably pretty bad at this, about trying to put trigger alerts in, because a lot of the times, the things she brings up, which we don't really think should be banned, how she writes, they always come in so smoothly and yeah, that's true. That's for sure. gentle. Mm. And again, like you said in the last episode, S.E. Hinton wrote this when she was 15. And the fact that she was 15 when she wrote it clearly means exactly. that it was a thing that she understood. Right. Enough to write about it. And in a gentle way. Like yeah, how she sure. said last episode, how Soda Pop knocked up his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Nice, gentle way to do it. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Which makes it even more sad that this book would be banned because this book, Essie Hinton, apart from saying things like, I was afraid to love him. (laughs) Very mature. For the most part. Yeah. From Ben Worthy to Binge Worthy. You may have seen the bonus episode we released earlier this week to celebrate National Band book week. Yes, that's right. We have joined forces with Burn This Book. Yep, that's right. Nicole and Eden are awesome. Their podcast is awesome. And what we all did, the four of us begged Rosemary Wells, just a brilliant children's author, and she agreed to let us read her book, Yoko, which is constantly being banned, 
and she even gave us a special rare statement to say during that special crossover episode. What could possibly be so bad about this book that it would be literally pulled off of library shelves in schools? You're just going to have to listen to the podcast and find out for yourself. It is the special Burn This Book and Bandcamp crossover episode. Still grab it. It is in our feed. All right. We've caused enough literary chaos for today. Thank you for listening, scary book people. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with one person to whom it would add value. Bandcamp is produced and hosted by Dan Schultz and me, Jennifer Davis. All media used in this production was done so under the protection of fair use. We'll see you next time. Bye. See you next time.